We'll stay in Psalm 116 uh, this morning. The last stanza of O Church Arise uh, spoke about the saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of His grace. It sounds almost like Hebrews 11, where everyone walked in faith, and then it's almost like it's our turn. There are churches today and denominations that try to claim that they are part of the um, they are part of the connection from the New Testament, the apostles, and that they are doing the same kind of ministry, the same teaching as the apostles. And we are learning in Sunday school to evaluate what these um, religions say about who Jesus is. And even if you claim that you are following Christ the same way the apostles did, if you aren't following Scripture, then it, you're not following the truth. And what Paul's going to do for us in Corinthians is going to point us back to Psalm 116. And I'm not sure it's a lament psalm. It's not in my list that I gave you uh, for lament psalms, but it does sound like a lament psalm. And the flavor of Psalm 116 is one, uh, we don't know who wrote it, but he starts with loving the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. When do we cry out to God for mercy? When we're in trouble. And when we're in trouble is the, 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 the theme here of Psalm 116, and he is calling out on the name of the Lord. Look at verse 3. Snares of death encompass me, the pangs of Sheol or the grave have laid hold on me. I suffer distress and anguish. And here the psalmist is uh, in severe trouble. And it's interesting that Paul quotes one phrase from one, Psalm 116, but he has, in the context of Psalm 116, it does match the context of, of 2 Corinthians 4. So what Paul's doing for us is connecting us to one phrase of this psalm, and it's in verse 10. And we'll look at that. I believed even when I spoke. Another translation of the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament says, I believed, therefore I spoke. And what's he speaking? Well, I'm greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars, but I'm going to praise the Lord. And you probably know verse 15. You probably didn't know the reference, as I didn't remember the reference of this verse, but precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. We'll keep that in the back of our mind as we go to 2 Corinthians now, uh, chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul writes to the Corinthians about what keeps him going in ministry. If you lose encouragement, you get discouraged, and you want to stop doing the things that you know are right to do. If you get discouraged with your diet, you go eat a lot of ice cream or whatever else that you want to eat. We're halfway into our year, and if you have gotten discouraged with your New Year's resolution that was six months ago, they may be long gone. You don't even hardly remember, unless you write them down, that you can even uh, recollect exactly what they were. If you get discouraged in reading your Bible, you may say, it's just too hard. It's too hard to be consistent. 
And now I'm halfway through the year, and I'm way behind in my Bible reading. And you come to church, and you hear a Sunday school lesson on how uh, Christ is exalted, and we can know him through his word. And you'll hear about uh, speaking, for, uh, speaking for Christ this morning, and you're like, okay. All right, you come, hopefully, and you leave encouraged. If you come Wednesday morning or Wednesday uh, evening, and your prayer life is struggling, it's usually uh, a sign of the, the first thing that goes and in our walk with the Lord is our prayer life. And the hardest thing to stay consistent with is talking with the Lord on a regular basis for extended periods of time. And if you're discouraged with your prayer life and you come to Wednesday morning or Wednesday evening, I hope that being around God's people and praying, you're going to be encouraged. Paul knows that the Corinthians have a very difficult city to minister in. To Corinthianize was to be immoral. And they, like the Ephesians and other large cities that were known for their idolatry and immorality, and probably persecution, that this church is going to need encouragement to stay faithful in ministry. This is uh, a week for me that I felt discouraged, and I have nothing to tie the discouragement to other than maybe I watch the news or listen to the news too much. And when you listen to the news or watch the news, you think, oh, things aren't getting better. It just doesn't. It's just not that way. And then I, I read and I get emails about uh, what's happening in the world. And there are reporters that go out in the world and they talk about kidnappings here and a Catholic priest is shot here and the war in Ukraine is still going on here and there are floods here and there are fires here and there's drought here and there's food shortage here. And before you know it, you're like, oh. <laughs> it's like... It's like wearing a backpack and putting bricks in it. And before you know it, you're like, oh, I can barely stand up. Until we know what to do with the backpack full of bricks, what does Jesus tell us to do? Cast all of our cares on him, for he cares for us. We learn as we go through the Corinthians letter here that Paul wants these Corinthians to minister. He wants them to minister like him, and he is going to encourage them to minister. And what we have learned in the last couple weeks is without seeing the glory of God, you're going to have an impossible time to minister. And we all can see his glory, 318. And when we see his glory, we're changed by his glory. And as we're changed by his glory, then we can begin to speak of his glory. And this is what the world needs. The world doesn't need more reports from every country in the world and all the bad things that are going on in all the 200-plus countries in the world. We, our, our bodies, emotionally, we can't handle all of the bad news before we just get overloaded and say, you know what, I can't. It's not my responsibility to help everybody who is struggling and all the seven, almost eight billion people in the planet, and many of them are very poverty-stricken, and I just get overwhelmed. Paul could have gotten overwhelmed with all the churches that he is ministering to, and yet he is, from what we can tell in his life, that he is constantly looking at the glory of God in the face of Jesus. 
That is 2 Corinthians 4, 5, 6. And as he sees the glory of God in the face of Jesus, his, his face is probably shining, not probably physically, but his heart and his face and his mind are shining with the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And this isn't something that is just for the apostles of the first century or those who wrote scripture. All believers can see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And I'm going to encourage you that you need to see that every single day. More than you need to see a newspaper or your news feed or social media more than you need to see what's going on on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or wherever else you're on a lot. You need to see the glory of your Savior, and you need to see Him all the time. And as you see Him, you'll be changed, and you'll want to tell other people what you saw. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 4. And Paul has encouraged us last week that we have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel in jars of clay, so that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Anything in ministry that we do for God, even speaking of God's glory, is not of us. It is God's power that works through us. And Paul tells us, and his language of verse 8 sounds like Psalm 116. He says, we are afflicted, and we are perplexed, and we are persecuted, and we are struck down, but we're not crushed, we're not driven to despair, we're not forsaken, and we're not destroyed. And while people can hurt this and persecute this body and confuse this body and make this body perplexed, they cannot touch this body apart from God's working and God's allowing and Paul says, so death is at work in us. My body, my mortal flesh, my physical body is dying. And I, I realize it is. But life, life from me is going out to you. And verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe, so we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends more to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. And encouragement is the theme of 2 Corinthians 4. You see it there in verse 16. If you go back to uh, verse 1, so we have, since we're having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. So not losing heart, staying encouraged is Paul's uh, theme here for this chapter and in the ministry that he is encouraging uh, the uh, Corinthians to have among their peers and in their culture. He's writing to us 2,000 years later that we would be encouraged. What is going to help us to be encouraged and if you, you may have seen pictures, maybe someone has this up in their house where you have footprints in the sand. And the footprints in the sand is there's two sets of footprints and there's one set of footprints. And the, the uh, uh, poet, poet says, well, that's when 
you forsook me, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, that's when I carried you. Okay, so you may have seen that uh, poem, Footprints in the Sand. And following in Jesus' steps is the Christian life. Following Jesus is how we live. Being like Jesus, having someone say, you remind me of Jesus, is the greatest compliment. The Jesus of the Bible. And we need to look at Christ, we need to look at the apostles that have done ministry not perfectly, but as he wanted them to do it, and encouraging us with how to minister to our generation in the 21st century. And Paul is going to start here in verse 13 with, we have the same spirit of faith. Faith is required of all believers. The just shall live by faith. Old Testament, New Testament. This is how we are saved, by grace through faith. This is how we walk in, in Hebrews 11, by faith, not by sight. We know that. We need to be reminded of that, though, when we get discouraged. Because discouragement usually comes from things that we can see, things that we can feel. When we have to pay a large price at the gas pump, we get discouraged with, oh, gas is so expensive. Or we get a bill from the doctor, which we thought was just a, an inexpensive visit with some tests that had to be done, and you're like, this should not cost this much money. And we get discouraged. We can get discouraged with people. When we get an email or a text or a phone conversation and what we thought was a good relationship, it did not sound very positive on the other, on the other end of the conversation. We can get discouraged with relationships. We can get discouraged with our health, as we'll see here in the text of Scripture. Our elder man is perishing. And this can be really discouraging for people who have done everything right health-wise. Whatever the doctor says, they do it. And yet, my elder man is still perishing. So how do we say encourage in ministry in these bodies that are wearing out, surrounded by a world that is hostile to the gospel and is causing us to feel like verses 8 and 9? How can we stay encouraged? We can stay encouraged as we're following the same path that people, godly people before us have followed. Paul is going to tell us here in verse 13 that he is following the same path of what is written. And whenever things are written, they're written for our, Romans 15, for our learning, so that we through patience and endurance may have hope. Endurance, that we need to keep going. And encouragement is required for endurance. So why do we need this passage of Scripture? This passage helps us to realize what encouragement we have in common with Old Testament followers of God and New Testament followers of Christ. Paul is going to do that for us here in verse 13. And here's Psalm 16 on the right side, uh, the picture there. Even when it seems I'm surrounded by many liars and my own fears, which is verse 11 of Psalm 116. And though I'm hurting in my suffering and trauma, I still stay faithful to God and speak words of faith. I'm trusting God. God hasn't forsaken me. It, life might be difficult, but that's what Psalm 116 is about. 
And so as Paul writes in verse 13 and says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. This word according to is in the same path, along the same lines. Paul is saying, now I don't know how long before Paul lives that Psalm 116 is is written, but if it's around the time of David, that's a thousand years between Paul and David. And between Paul and us, 2,000 years. Okay, so centuries have passed. And those who are faithfully walking with the Lord write psalms for us to read and encourage our heart to know how to pray and how to talk to God whenever things are going well and when things are really not going well at all. They write psalms like Psalm 116 for us. And when, uh, when the Apostle Paul reads Psalm 116, he's like, that is what I'm feeling. And, but he picks one phrase out of that psalm and the Holy Spirit probably helping Paul to pick the phrase that he wants to record for us to read and the Corinthians to, to be encouraged with is, I believed and so I spoke. I believed God while I was in trials, trauma, and therefore I spoke. What am I speaking about? God's faithfulness. And I'm going to trust. This is the idea here in verse 13 of faith. So if we could summarize verse 13 with one word, the same encouragement that the psalmist had to write Psalm 116 is the same encouragement that Paul has to write 2 Corinthians 4, is the same encouragement he wants us to have. And he's going to tell us what are the facets of this encouragement. The first facet, simple, in verse 13 is one word, the same faith. Same faith. Why the same faith? Because we have the same God. And we're made up of the same flesh. You know, Old Testament believers weren't super saints. They were just people that struggled with the flesh just like we are. And you read Psalm, or 2 Corinthians here 4, 8, and you realize Paul dealt with the same feelings that we dealt with, that we deal with today. We feel like we are afflicted in every way. We are perplexed. We are persecuted at times. And we are struck down. But the encouragement part comes with the second part of those phrases, but not crushed, but not driven to despair, but not forsaken, but not destroyed. What causes Paul to write the second part of those phrases? It's his faith. He knows God. How can we know God? We know him one way. It's through Christ. God in these last days has spoken to us. He's spoken to us how? Through his son. That's Hebrews 1, 1. We can know our God because we know his son. We can have the same faith that, Paul, that caused Paul to drag his body that had scars and bruises, and probably he may have walked with a limp. He may not have been able to see well because of the beatings or the uh, stoning but he told his body what to do. Body, we're going from this city to this city. We're preaching the gospel in this city, and even though they beat us and put us in prison, when we get out, we're going to the next city. And he doesn't listen to his body. He tells his body what to do. And this is important for us. What causes us to stay encouraged is 
We get our, these bodies out of bed, get them dressed and say, body, you're going to church. And body says, I don't want to go to church today. And you say, body, you don't have a choice in the matter. You're going to church because we need to be encouraged. We're discouraged, body. And where we're going to get encouraged is we're going to be around God's people. And those God's people are going to open God's word. And they're going to exalt Christ to us. And we're going to see him high and lifted up. And we're going to see his glory. And we're going to sing his praises. And we're going to walk away from here encouraged. It happens every time. And when Christians are discouraged, and I said this Wednesday, when trauma happens, Satan tempts us when things aren't well in our lives. One of the primary temptations he comes to Christians at is this. Don't go to church. Stay home. You have to have a life that everything is fine in order to come to church. And I'm saying, no, you don't. We are all not fine here. We all feel like verses 8 and 9 many, many times. And yet we come here and we realize we're not forsaken or we aren't driven to despair. We aren't crushed and we're not going to be destroyed. We're on the winning team. And it requires faith. We have to believe what God says in his word. Paul has faith in what is written. And what is written, he quotes. What does Jesus have faith in when he is tempted by Satan? He has faith in, it is written. We have to have faith in the written word of God. It's the same faith that Daniel had that caused him to go to, be willing to go to the lion's den. It's the same faith that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego had that said, we're not going to, to, to preserve these physical bodies from persecution or even death because we will stay faithful to our God and our God is able to deliver us. That sounds like faith. We can have the same faith that is exercised in Hebrews 11. Even though it's not perfect faith, Abraham didn't have perfect faith. Sarah laughs and doesn't have perfect faith. Rahab is still called a harlot in Hebrews 11. She doesn't have perfect faith, but they all have faith in God. And we can follow the same path. And this path includes faith. I'm choosing to believe what God has written. This, when we choose to believe what God has written, we can have the same faith that encouraged Paul that he wants us to be encouraged with. Second, verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. I could put a couple words here, could put resurrection. I, I chose to put the verb here, knowing. It's the same knowledge. What is the knowledge? Let's read verse 14 again carefully. He, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus, who is that? Has to be God the Father, right? Will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. We saw last Wednesday that lament helps us to go on a path of doubt and fear and struggle and anger toward trusting God more. And where does this path of trusting God lead? It leads us into his presence. This is what makes heaven heaven. It's the presence of God. And we're not going to be there just a short amount of time. And we're not going to have any bad news in heaven. 
And we're not going to have pain in heaven. We're not going to have medicine in heaven. We're not going to have strained relationships in heaven. We're not going to be perplexed or afflicted or driven to despair or persecuted or struck down. None of that is in heaven. Now, are you encouraged? Yes, you should be encouraged because this is where the Christian life leads. It leads us to resurrection with Jesus, for Jesus, to be with him in his presence forever. Now, if you came discouraged, are you encouraged? You should be. God's truth encourages us. So it's not just enough to have the same faith and the same knowledge. We're having this. So why, why does Paul look back at verse 13? I believed and so I spoke. God wants us to speak about what we know. Not in a proud way, condescending to people who think you just die and go in the ground and that's it, or, or some other planet that we're going to inhabit and repopulate or whatever uh, other false religions say. No, we believe by faith that God the Father will raise us because G- our Lord Jesus is raised. And Jesus is going to, we're going to be with him and we're going to be in God's presence forever. There's a cross-reference here on the side of your notes here, the First Thessalonians 4. Let's go to First Thessalonians 4. Hold your hand here. We'll come back. And we're looking at this cross-reference because First Thessalonians is written before Corinthians. So the Corinthians would have access, eventually, maybe not immediately, but have access to the books of First and Second Thessalonians. And Paul writes First Thessalonians because the Thessalonians weren't sure what happened with their believing uh, friends and family that passed away. And did they miss the rapture of the church? And verse 13 of First Thessalonians 4 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. Let's see her pages. I'll wait till pages are... Okay, First Thessalonians 4.13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. Okay, so something about what Paul's writing is, we can grieve, but not without hope, about those, our loved ones, who have passed away. Verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So he twice talks about people who have passed away, and he uses the word asleep. This is a word of faith. Those in the Old Testament who slept with their fathers, sleeping is a temporary thing. And God talks about death as temporary, as only God can, because God will make everyone who has passed away come back to life. All right, so those who are in the ground, those who are buried, those who have fallen asleep, God will bring them. Verse 15, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So we're not going to go to heaven and wonder where our loved ones are. Did they make it? Oh, we're not going to get there before them. God's thought this through, and he's encouraging these Thessalonians. They will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 
16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Jesus himself is going to do this. Verse uh, 16 ends, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Notice the Lord himself is, is Jesus. He comes and those who are secure are called, they are called the dead in Christ. They're secure in Christ, which matches John 10, which Brandon referred to in one of our songs. So the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And here comes the presence. And so we will always be with the Lord. We'll be with him. How long will we be with him? Always. No separation between us and God now. And how are the Thessalonians to use these words? Verse 18, therefore, encourage one another with these words. All right, so I, I showed us that passage because of the language of encouragement. It matches a lot of what Paul's saying about faith and raising us and our knowledge. So we have the same knowledge the same knowledge that the Thessalonians had, the same knowledge that the Corinthians had, the same knowledge that Paul had, the same knowledge that all the saints have had. The two martyrs that we looked at last week, John Huss and William Hunter from the 16th century, the same knowledge these men had to be willing to go to the stake is the same knowledge that we have. The knowledge of what? The resurrection of these bodies. And these bodies are going to be in the presence of our God enjoying the light of the knowledge of his glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Are you encouraged? It's really encouraging. When we have the same faith tied to scripture that's written, and now this is written for us, and we have the same knowledge of the resurrection, it just keeps getting better here. Verse 15, For it is for your sake... Now, this sounds like verse 12. Death is at work in Paul's body and others that were traveling with Paul. But life, he's presenting life to the, Thessalon or the, to the Corinthians here. And he says, for it is all for your sake. I'm ministering with the same faith and the same knowledge and encouraging you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and be changed by his glory. I'm telling you all this so that grace extends to more and more people. What is grace? In, in, in the context, we looked at the treasure has to be the gospel, or likely is the gospel. And when we understand grace and gospel, oh yes, those are almost synonyms, right? We are saved by grace through faith. It is grace alone that we are saved. So it is the same grace of God that Paul enjoyed, that he taught to the Thessalonians and to the Corinthians in every city and town that he went to, and people are coming into the kingdom of God and enjoying the grace of God. So Paul's faith is encouraging him to speak and speak about the resurrection and about God's grace and God's power. And it's for the Corinthians' sake, so they will join in the ministry why does Paul want the Corinthians to join in the ministry? So that from them, grace can extend out to more and more people. Because Paul is not staying in Corinth. He is there a year and a half, and he goes on to Ephesus and other cities. 
But he expects the Corinthians to carry on with the same faith and the same knowledge, the work of the ministry. What are they supposed to do? Help people see God's glory and submit to it. And then when those people submit to God's glory, they speak of God's glory. And they just keep multiplying themselves. This is God's plan. We're on the same path in the 21st century that Paul was on in the first century. Grace would extend to more and more people. And as grace extends to more and more people and they respond positively to the grace of God, what characterizes their life? What well, says here in verse 15? That it may increase thanksgiving. God looks down from heaven and he wants to see his creation thanking him. And this, what we see in Romans 1, which Romans is written right after 2 Corinthians, is when people walk away from the glory of God, when they won't submit to the gospel of Jesus, it says of them that neither were they thankful. So a character quality of people who have responded to the glory of God and see it and are speaking of it and their faith is growing and their knowledge is growing, their lives are characterized by thankfulness even if the smallest little thing, even the trials they're thankful for, because they can see God's glory in those trials, even if that trial kills them, okay, I'm going to the presence of God. I'm thankful for that. And you can't stop them from being thankful. So it is the same faith, it's the same knowledge, and we haven't got to the word that I put up here yet, to the, the last phrase, after thankfulness, thanksgiving, to the glory of God. It's the same glory. All of what he says in verse 13 is the gospel going forth and spreading. And more and more people's lives are affected by the gospel. They're changed by the gospel. They're transformed. And those people who are once unthankful, complaining people, are now thankful for the God who saved them. And when God is thanked for his salvation, what's the result? They give God glory. It's all about God. So our encouragement is that we have the same faith as Old Testament believers, New Testament saints. We have the same knowledge that when our bodies die, we'll be raised again. We'll be in God's presence. We have the same goal, and the goal is to spread the fame of our God. The same glory. We're not doing this so that people look at us and say, you guys are really encouraging. So we can build up this church and have a lot of money in the bank. Nope. It's not about the here and now. It's about showing people the glory of God, helping them see, and when they see Him, they're thankful. And when they're thankful for seeing the glory, God gets more glory. It's all about God getting more glory. So what drags these bodies out of bed? The glory of God. And thankfulness that God, in His grace, saved us. And in saving us, He promises us eternal life in His presence. And because we have eternal life in His presence, because of His grace, we're speaking for Him. You see how I work backwards from 15 to 13. And it's a progression. Faith and knowledge and glory. Everything points to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God gets all the glory, and we sing, to God be the glory, great things he has done. 
It is the same faith. It's the same knowledge. It's the same glory. In verse 16, I'll just mention verse 16. I'm not going to preach it because it goes with next week's message. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away. And I was talking to someone even before church today about these bodies are wasting away. I got a few comments at the door last week about, yeah, my, my uh, clay pot is cracked. <laughs> From verse 7, okay? Right, right. We understand the outer self, what he has already talked about as a treasure in, uh, in the jars of clay. That death is working in these bodies. Yet, it's, it's wasting away. But our inner self is being renewed day by day. We'll talk about that next week, Lord willing. Or we'll talk about it in heaven if we're raptured this week. The same growth. And we're going to spend our time next week looking at the growth. So the same encouragement. We're on the same path. The same path that Christ told his followers, hey, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. The fishers of men multiplied themselves to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is a fisher of men. He's multiplying himself to the people of Corinth who are going to multiply themselves to the United States of America in the 21st century. And someone was faithful to the gospel with you. And they told you about God's glory. Told you to submit to God in His glory. And you'll have the grace of God in your life that will wash away your sin and put you on this path that even when you die, that you'll be, you'll be resurrected one day and you'll have eternity, spend eternity with God in His presence. And it requires faith, yes. And when you have that, you speak. We speak for our God. We're going to close with praying. If you want to write these prayers down, they match what is on... Um, in our text, praying changes us. This is part of how we are changed. If we looked back at the text of Scripture, we're changed by believing, by reading what is written, by knowing the truth of the resurrection, by extending grace to more and more people, that life is all about the glory of God, and we're just going to thank God and praise Him and cause other people to thank Him and glorify Him. And this is how our inner self is renewed. It doesn't get renewed at once. It's renewed day by day. Go back to 3.18 of 2 Corinthians. What else is being renewed day by day? And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So God the Father orchestrates salvation. God the Son brings about salvation. And God the Holy Spirit makes sure that we are being transformed. So we pray. And we can pray something along these lines. My closing prayer will include these. Father, thank you. And it's going to be thankfulness because that's what we saw in verse 15. Thank you for encouraging us with knowing to believe your word and to speak. We don't have to make up stuff to the lost and dying world. We just have to tell them what's written. This is what's written about who Jesus is and who you are and the glory of God and the end of man without him and the end of man with him. And we tell people about what is written. It requires us to believe what's written and then we can speak. 
Father, thank you for encouraging us to, by knowing our secure resurrection. Knowing that our resurrection is secure really encourages us and really encourages us to believe and to speak what he says in verse 13. Third, Father, thank you for encouraging us with knowing your glorious grace. God's grace and having it, having his power and forgiveness causes us to want to glorify him even more. So help our inner man to be renewed with these truths every day. I'll pray and then we'll close our um, service in a song. Our Father, we come to you and we are so thankful for your glorious word. Thank you that we can see Christ and his face in the, as we have seen in Sunday school, see more of your glory in the resurrection and the faith and the path that you put us on by your grace so that we would be thankful. And as we are thankful, we want to glorify you. Thank you for the knowledge that you give us. Thank you for the um, sure truth that we can trust in. And thank you for uh, Christ. And I pray that our lives will be characterized by thanksgiving this week. Help us to be thankful in the presence of those who don't know you yet. And as we are thankful, I pray that you would draw more and more people by your grace into your family, into your kingdom, out of darkness, into your marvelous light. And help us to be encouraged. Help us to realize these outer bodies are wasting away but our inner man can be renewed and should be every day. Help us to be renewed by your glory, for your glory, and by your spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen.